It is the Chicagoverse podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists in industry and creatives and culture leaders. Hosted by Haima Black, welcome to Chicago. Dynasty Podcast live from Pilsen. And our second interview of the night, we got this whole live broadcast happening across the hour with three guests. But our second guest here, Austin Brown, thank you so much for coming up, man. Uh, sure, how are you doing course. tonight? I'm doing good. Yeah. It's a nice night. You know, man, you are somebody who I've been following on Twitter for a while, and I've been seeing your content, and like, boy, that's like a nerdy Twitter thing to say, like, yo, bro, you got good content, but like, but you're always somebody who I enjoyed following on Twitter. I always saw your work, and, um, and it was just kind of always in my head, like I always have this mental list of people who we haven't sure. had on the podcast yet, I see them doing cool stuff, and I'm always like, that's another one. Like in the next <laughs> couple of weeks, we got to reach out. So I'm so glad we were able to line this up. Yeah, of course. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Now, you know, same, same initial question. Like bring me into kind of how you got your start because you're a music journalist, you're a writer, but, you know, we've never met before. It's our first real-time talking. So, so bring me into the backstory. Yeah. I, it's funny because when I was, I guess... When I was first starting out doing music journalism, it actually was kind of a side thing. I was at um, the University of Chicago down in Hyde Park, mm -hmm. and I found out about this thing called the Southside Weekly that mm -hmm. was sort of really getting on its feet uh, at it at that point. And I'd been reading music criticism and interviews and stuff like that for a while. In high school, I was kind of like a pitchfork head type sure, person. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, a absolutely. lot of people's entry into that world. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, I, I basically reached out to them, and I was like, I'd love to start writing for y'all. And it was honestly the best thing that could have happened because the weekly is very structured. Um, it's very thoughtfully, like, mm -hmm. profile-driven, uh, featured. Yeah. yeah, there's less, like, quick-hit news pieces. So well, Which, there's just too much of that anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was really nice because I was able to start looking at the scenes that were going on in Chicago. And this was around, I guess, 2013. So a lot of the, I guess, save money, um, sure, sure, sure. peripheral, mm -hmm. I guess, post like initial drill boom stuff right, was happening yeah like, all of that know. stuff was really popping off and it was a really good time to start looking at well here's the stuff like you hear about chance or you hear about vic or something like that but who are who else is who's doing stuff who's what's happening them? right producers yeah. you know people in their in the label or in the industry and that was the thing that really started meaning a lot to me was putting context to all these things um, and seeing it less as just like, oh, this is the record and this is what they're saying or this is what they, what the music sounds like. Like, what are your influences? Who are you? Like, why do you make these What does your things? name mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the those, really basic. Those little things that it's so easy to get caught up in the, like, this is how I feel when I listen to this. Right. And... I wanted, I started really wanting while I was writing there, and actually eventually I became their music editor, um, and that was in my fourth year at UChicago, um, wanting to just build a sense of, I guess, a world of like, this is what Chicago and what the South Side scenes are doing right now, and this is how it all fits together. 
Um, now, was there at this point, was there any thought on like helping maybe change the narrative around the south side of Chicago too? Because of course, like, I mean, especially now, I know it's, it's different in 2013, but now of course it's so maligned in like the national discussion as like, oh, well, so, you know, Chicago's a bloodbath and it's like, it was maligned really, then too. It was too. It's just now the president's doing it. I guess is the difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I think that at that point, the thing that I found interesting was like I'm someone who's a huge fan of both. I think that this is the thing that always happens. There's always the the narrative of the two the two Chicago scenes. Of There's course. The, you have the chance, the chance and the chief key. Yeah. And it's so fucking lazy. And it's so lazy and it's so reductive and there's much more crossover than I think a lot of people, especially not in Chicago, realize. Yes. And so when I was there, that was one of the main things that I wanted to put across was just kind of humanizing everyone in that scene and bringing a sense of these are not just, I think, especially with the drill stuff, mm -hmm. there's such a basic idea that like, you never get a sense of people talking about the tone or the sort of music. Like, drill doesn't sound celebratory. It doesn't sound like, right. <laughs> it doesn't sound like they're like, yeah, mm -hmm. this is great what we're rapping about. There's sure. a sense of like, it's kind of goth. It's kind of like dark. It's, it's very hardcore. Yeah. yeah. And that is intentional and I just wanted when I was there to bring a bring that idea of these are all people who are coming from their you know their lived experiences and sort of bringing those either whether they're talking about them directly like I think some of the artists in Chicago really just write about what they know or they're sort of doing catharsis on things that they hate or they are really sure. frustrated by. Right. Those are two different ways to get getting to your like artistic truth. Yeah, absolutely. However you want to define that. So when you started writing, what was that initial kind of foray like? Did you feel like you hit your stride right away or was there oh, kind of like... not. <laughs> were you kind of like Bambi on the frozen lake, like, you know, I mean, your legs? I mean, I grew up in Austin, Texas, so... Yeah. I, coming to Chicago, I was, and starting writing about Chicago artists, I was super nervous. I was like, is this even like, can I, like, can I do this? Like, is this allowed? Right. <laughs> um, and I think having, holding that in, in my mind with the idea of, no, but I really do want to bring these people voices and, highlighting their voices while also bringing a sense of, you know, critical, about, like, yeah, engaging. Thought, yeah. Right. Um, that was a nice counterpoint, sort of a push and pull to have. But at the beginning, it was very, very tentative, very easy to sort of lapse into the cliches. And I was lucky enough to have a good set of editors at that paper, which editors are... Very valuable. And there's so many... Yeah. They're the unsung heroes. And I mean, there's, there's a lot of people like that in media who like, you know, everyone wants to credit the journalists or the rock stars or like whatever, but it's like, there's a lot of people who make these, th I mean, just like slight detour. I, uh, I did a panel, I do a lot of panels around the city. Mm -hmm. I did a panel last year um, with the team that produces Lollapalooza. 
Okay. And we had like people who did the video work and the and the artist relations and like you know those kind of folks who run Lollapalooza and they did a panel about what it takes to do Lollapalooza. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to speak for them, but I have a feeling that one of the reasons that they that that team agreed to do it during what is a very busy week for them is because whenever someone writes about Lollapalooza, they're interviewing Dave Grohl or like whoever's headlining. Sure. And these people, I think, were like, whoa, like somebody wants to hear from us. That's kind of cool. So there's always a lot of unsung or overlooked people in a lot of these, you know, creative spaces where their story just doesn't get told or, or they don't get the credit. Absolutely. And that, for me, like extends, like that ethos that I really started building up while I was at the Weekly ends up extending into most of how I'm writing, which is trying to push into like writing about aesthetics and like doing sure. a good like I, I'm always like a sucker for like a good I think it's so like the the joke about like music criticism where it's like the like swampy guitars or whatever like <laughs> right. that's annoying but if you do it well it can be really evocative and sort of hit like no that is what I feel when sure. I hear yeah. that and then pairing that with a sense of place and time and context and um, one thing that a lot of times bothers me is uh, it feels very ahistorical sometimes when I read stuff where I'm like, like who, where did this come from? Like, right. I want to hear more about how this came to be, not as just like a little nugget of art. Um, and so I guess to like pop music, for example, like chart pop. Sure. The most interesting things about it oftentimes are the top line writers or the producers and also the vocalists and how they all work in concert. Um, you know, you have people, and that's more known now, like you have people like Julia Michaels or Sia, obviously, sure. who were writers turned artists, but that, that's something that I think gets left behind when you're looking at it from the perspective of, oh, it's like, it's, it's all... It's just this one... It's just corporate, like, sure, yada, sure, yada, sure. yada, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. pop music. It's fake. But right. everything's fake. Like, it's not... No, everything's fake. <laughs> yeah. Everything's totally fake. I don't know. Um, and, and just to kind of back up, because this is all really sure. amazing, but, like, you brought up something that a couple minutes ago. You said you came from Austin, Texas. Yes. And Austin, Texas is obviously, I don't need to tell you, it's another music city. So what was the shift like coming... Like, did you come here for college? And, and what was that shift like coming from one music market that is very different than Chicago, but still really has its own culture, and then, and then coming here and shifting to this culture. It's really interesting because when I was living in Austin, I was living basically in a suburb that didn't have a lot of relationship to the general Austin music market. Sure. Um, and so coming to Chicago, I guess... W- when I was growing up, it was basically like music was a consumption thing. Like everybody just, they either had Spotify or they listened to Pandora or whatever. Right. Downloaded stuff off like whatever, you know, pirating site. And so coming to Chicago was the first time that I felt actually embedded in a creative like production, like a place where music was being made, even yeah. though. And there's a culture of it. And right. Yeah. And, but when I, I actually spent, when I graduated last year, uh, I went back to Austin for a bit. And then I started spending a lot more time uh, in that music culture. And it was really interesting because Austin has a history with music that is very, it's related to both 
sort of the country scene and also the indie, like, psychedelic rock scene. A hundred percent, yeah. And yeah. so they actually have a very tenuous relationship to things like hip-hop. And, like, I saw, I think I saw DJ Earl there, and it was, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like a quarter full of right. the place. Which, I don't know... Uh, if I had seen him here, obviously because it's Chicago, but also... And maybe if you saw him during South By. Sure. But, like, but, but South By, as anyone who lives in Austin will tell me again and again, <laughs> is not real Austin. You know, like, <laughs> no. That's not the real sample of what Austin, Texas is. Really I went like. to a lot of shows where... This happened at like four different shows where they were like, it's so nice to be here, not during South By. Oh my God. It's like, <laughs> um, I have a lot of friends wants- who live in Austin and I'm just like, well, it's a true story. When I'm one year, I'm in Austin and I'm, I'm trying and I'm polite, man. When I go down there, I am polite because I know they're annoyed. Mm-hmm. I get it. I do yeah. know this. And so like I'm making small talk with like the server, whoever is, is serving us. And I'm like, so, you know, like, I mean, is there any part of this that's nice because you guys might make more money, like, during this window? Or do you just, and I'm trying to be funny, I'm like, or do you just want it to, like, you know, get the fuck out? And you know, like, it's yeah. dead, serious deadpan, just like, no, we want you to get the fuck out. I was like, okay. <laughs> it's, it's like, I don't know. It's interesting the way that it's set up with, everything's very concentrated in sort of a few Organizations that right. something that like the people who do South by are have very big relationships to the main all weekly in Austin mm-hmm. and are one of the only reasons that it's still running. <laughs> um, but like then there's like Austin City Limits, which is run by C three. Right. At the well now it's run by and C three is owned by um, what is it? C three. No, C3 bought it early in the early 2010s, and C3 also puts on, and I, don't quote me on this, it, but puts okay, on like, Lollapalooza. Yes, they do Lala, and, and I think they have like a food yeah. festival or something like that, too. Yeah. And they're also, they also have a corporate relationship with Live Nation. Right. And so there's this general sense of kind of homogenization of the Austin market. Uh, boy, I, the, I've never heard anyone talk about that when I'm in Austin. <laughs> Yeah, loudly um, and bitterly. But it is, I think one of the things that leaving and then coming back was most interesting for me as a as a writer and just as someone who listens to a lot of music was coming back and getting a more holistic, actually specifically a more like generous understanding of country music. Yeah. That was something when I was growing up, I was like, it's just the dudes in the like vineyard vine shorts, yeah, yada, yeah, yada, yeah. yada, yada, like very, I don't know, I didn't really pay it much attention. But when I left and sort of came back, when you grow up in the South and then you leave the South, you start to understand, like, what you like, what what you don't, how to be, like, critically appreciative of your, of the place that you grew up. Sure. And sort of the obvious racism and like weird stuff that goes on in in the south but also what things that are really prevalent there that are valuable and good in sure. a very in-depth way also the um one thing i noticed when i came back was there was just a bunch of like underground electronic music that i never would have noticed like in austin not prominently but yeah. stuff that is like uh, sort of syncopated like 
weird, like, hollowed-out reggaeton, like, experimental club type stuff. I would not have expected that. Texas has a big Hispanic population. That, well, that is true. That is true. Yeah. Okay, so you that get makes a sense. lot of you get a lot of that stuff. I also saw like um, there's a, there's a lot of people who are just trying to like do really push to make Texas and the South and pe- all of that stuff be really thoughtful about how they make culture in that space, um, which I really appreciate, and it also has kind of informed me coming back back to Chicago right. and thinking about how that, how that relates to how that relates to stuff in the city here. Now, and you're obviously you're currently based here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the outlets that you're writing for and, and who are you currently contributing with? Well, it's been kind of a, it's been a little bit of a rocky beginning just because I haven't, I am doing, I'm freelance right now. Sure. And so I've been doing stuff with um, Spin, which is nice. A lot I of, saw that, the Cupcake. Yes, um, I was really happy yeah, to write yeah, that. That's really good. Um, Cupcake's great. Cupcake yeah. is like, <laughs> I could She's go. another level. <laughs> that's a whole nother. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Spin, I recently wrote something for Pitchfork, which was very like, much so like, cool. a, yeah, yeah, like a weird, surreal moment. I've written stuff. A lot of it's nice to do uh, event previews for the reader. I really mm-hmm. enjoy. Yeah, I saw you in the those. reader, and that's yeah. Again, I mean, all this stuff is so le- not that I'm like surprised <laughs> or like wow, you may, but it's like these are all really legitimate outlets, you know, and, yeah. it, and it reads like you're doing very thoughtful work for them. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> well, and and so you know, you touched on the freelance thing, and it's it's no secret, it's no surprise to anybody that it's. I mean, it's a hard time to be freelance in really any creative space, and media is no different as much oh, as anything absolutely. else. It's a hard time in media. It's a hard time in Chicago media. How are you navigating that? How is that impacting you? What what strategies are you using to kind of, like, navigate your way through that? I mean, to be entirely, like, candid, I do not think that I would have lasted more than, like, two months if I was still solely doing work um, freelance. So... Mm-hmm. What ended up happening was I actually do social media. It's like a nights and weekends social media position for Gizmodo Media Group. Oh, nice. So I am doing, if you see good tweets in the weekend from like <laughs> Gizmodo, Jezebel, Lifehacker, Splinter sure. are their main ones. You're like, yeah, the good tweets are the ones that are fine. Any <laughs> the bad, bad ones, tweets, those are I don't so, know where that came from. Guy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's, and that's, and that is something that, it's been nice to have that, but it also, it's one of those things where it's, it's a very weird, like, disjointed, um, I think that having just come out of college and starting to navigate this media, freelance, doing this and that um, sphere, there's no real guide, like, guidelines. No, 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 there's, there's the, no it, All the rule, rule books book. are gone. It's all 100%. kind of, which has been a nice way of, leveling the playing field in a, in a way. A lot of the journalists that I talked to, people who I looked up to or followed on Twitter or whatever, if I, people who I've ended up meeting, were, the general sense is like, yeah, we don't know what's going on. Yeah, either. everyone's in the same boat, man. Which is bad, but on the other hand... But it's, it is this leveling thing. It's nice. It's nice to be able to just be like, if you freak out, you know that other people are freaking out too, and it's you can come you. to them and talk to them, and that that is very grounding. 
it's it's a good thing to be aware of. I got my start very early on doing internships in radio when I was like 15 years old, and I interned at this rock station here in Chicago. It's not around anymore. It's called Rock 103.5, and this was a million years ago, but Rock 103.5, I did about six months there, and then that station went off the air and changed formats, which I would mm-hmm. see again and again working in radio, and it was the first time I saw that, and I was 15 years old, and I was like, Around when huh. was this? 1998. Okay. A million yeah. years ago. This but it's was... like, it was such a valuable lesson looking back at being like, oh, good. I'm glad I learned early on that these things are not, there's no security. There's no stability. It's like, it really is just kind of, you're really driving with a blindfold on, essentially. And you were around then, because 96 is when the, like, deregulation telecom mm-hmm. act came in. So yeah. clear channels started snapping up everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah. 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 So. Interesting. It was an interesting yeah. education. So <laughs> I'm sure. So you're you're writing now for a few different outlets. You're doing thoughtful work, kind of. You know, Thank you. what is you know what's your end goal with this? Like, what's the best case, or what That's are you thinking? Question. Like, eventually, I'd like to start my own alt weekly, or or you know, bring <laughs> me into it, whatever that is. Um, I don't have a I don't have a like 15 year down the line sure, thing, sure, but sure. I really. I want to I want to get to a point both there's there's kind of an internal place that I want to get to like in how I'm thinking about and processing culture and writing about it and then there's an external sort of where I'm at relationships career etc internally I just want to start thinking about things both I think I have a tendency to either do well when I'm doing the small like this is a thing I'm going to write about this thing like an album review or right. a profile um, then I also like, and this kind of came from doing a lot of humanities major stuff at UChicago, the like big trend, like what's happening in culture, like sure, kind of, I guess, think piece, but not like, right. you know, the boilerplate think piece. So bringing those two together and being able to be a little more fluid about that stuff would be nice internally, just thinking about this stuff less in terms of the, the little and the big, but also just like what's happening on the medium level. Yeah, absolutely. And then ex, like in terms of career and network and all that stuff, I'd really just like to start being more regular with writing and like building relationships where it's like, okay, like... Yeah, I uh, think that's a big goal for a lot of people is just getting that, like, yeah, yeah recurring... Yeah, thing. and kind of going along with the, the internal thing, I would love to, and this, I, I don't know what it would be yet, but I would love to have a beat. I'd love to... Yeah. I think that it's... It, I feel lucky to be kind of an omnivore and sort of be interested in a lot of different scenes, a lot of different people, and have, like, a working knowledge of a lot of these different types of music and types of um, ways that it musicking happens. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but I would like to, it's on a personal level, I think I got into this because I, it helped me like work through what I like and who I, who I am in a way. And so it'd be nice to, on that personal level, figure out what I most want to write about and how it can help me come to terms with what I what yeah. I get out of music and why I keep coming back to it over and over again. Absolutely. You know, and, and this has been, uh, this is really great stuff, man. And like I said, I, you know, I've been following you on Twitter for a while and I've seen, 
you know, that you're publishing good, thoughtful stuff. So, like, I want to keep this conversation going as as you have new developments Absolutely. and things like that. But to kind of close it out here, because you have had a journey, you know, out of college doing this. Like, what advice would you give for anybody who maybe oh, is starting geez. out and is like, wow, media looks really difficult. You're not wrong. Um, <laughs> like, I think that, I mean, it's something that, for something like, for working in media, and especially in something like criticism, arts, like arts writing, that type of stuff, it really does not, it's not, it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be something that you're just like immediately like, haha, I'm good, like, I'm good, I'm settled. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> so I think that you have to figure out what, on the inside, like, why am I doing this? Like, what, what the heck am I, like, why did I, there's always those moments, like, they're recurring for me, where I'm like, what the hell am I doing? What oh, the man. fuck is this? I think a but, lot of creatives have that. Where yeah. Like, you got to remind yourself what the thing is that you love about what you're doing, because some days you're just like, this is so much fucking work. What's the point? Yeah. Yeah. For me, I think the best advice that I could give is to find find people, whether it's people in your, you know, your friends, your, you know, over, I love, I don't know, I love meeting people over the internet. I yeah. think that that's my favorite, one of my favorite things. As much as Twitter is horrible in a lot of ways, it's great But it also great is great in some, in some other ways. ways. It really is. There's, um, there's some good stuff on Twitter and there's some good people on Twitter. Don't, like... Journalism and criticism and art stuff is not an individual, like a solitary activity as much as it gets made out to be, or it right. shouldn't be. And so like, if you find yourself like trapped and you're just like in your house listening to stuff on headphones, like talk to people. Like, yeah, people, throw up a tweet and see who else is feeling yeah, that. Yeah, DM someone, call a friend. Like, I think that for me, any time that I've gotten too in my head, it's just been like, oh, I should probably talk to someone. Like, not, not, like, maybe a therapist, but, like... No, but, you know, what? I, even I think... Even just a friend. I think that a lot of media work can be very isolating, and mm -hmm. it's always been... Even, dude, sometimes I'll have... I work from home, sometimes I'll have two days where I'm just editing, and I don't see anybody, and then, like, I talk to a couple of people on the mic, and I'm like, oh, my God, I feel so much better. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that Absolutely. does... It goes a long way. Um, Let's get hello. you down. The cat's like, I want to be part of the podcast. <laughs> cat's like, I have opinions about yeah, media. Yeah, she's like, well, let me talk about my experience me, writing yeah. <laughs> for the reader. As a freelancer. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Yeah, so just reaching out to people, being social, kind of thinking about, like, some of the best writing that I've done has really just been the result of conversations with other people who are huge nerds about sure. the same thing. And so finding people who are as nerdy as you are about the same stuff that you you're interested in. I love it, man. I think that's, I think that's the secret sauce. Um, <laughs> and like I said, you know, following you on Twitter, it was kind of the same thing where, um, the cat's about to knock over the camera. Okay. <laughs> following you on Twitter is the same thing where like, you know, there's a lot of people in Chicago, Twitter and media Twitter where I see them. I'm like, dude, they have really good points. They have really good tweets. They have really good opinions. Or sometimes I don't even agree with people, but I'm like, but they're really like, well, they're passionate, they're passionate about it. Like I get where they're coming from. So, as as somebody who loves Twitter, I appreciate that kind of thing. Good. I'm yeah. It, Twitter for me, I don't know. We got to wrap up soon, but Twitter for me is like, I like to treat it sometimes as like the the original idea of like a microblog, like a tumble yeah, log, it is. yeah, where you're just like 
in its own way, I'm not getting paid for it, but it, I like having tweets where it's like a goofy thought that's also kind of a little bit of criticism. And it's as much a portfolio as it is anything else. Sure. Yeah. I like, I don't know. I had like a tweet that was like, the war on drugs is just cowboy beach house. And, uh, <laughs> and like, that's stupid and goofy, but also I'm like, no, I believe that. Yeah. Like, like I, I would back that up if someone hit me with it. And I do love when people reply seriously to jo- like jokey tweets. Cause I yeah. love, I don't know. It, and I, I think that Twitter is that. the funniest site on the internet for my money. Yeah. The tweet, absolutely. like when well, there's good tweets, it's just like Seinfeld 2000. I can read it all. <laughs> Uh, but now we're just being like, you know what's a good yeah. account? Um, Do you like Twitter, guys? <laughs> like, <laughs> I love it, man. Um, Austin um, Brown, what is your Twitter handle? What's the best way for oh, yeah. to work? Um, my Twitter handle is at Blaston, B-L-A-H-S-T-I-N. Awesome. Um, yeah. And I have a content lead with my work on there um, yeah. that's linked, so... If you want to read longer tweets, then... <laughs> longer articles are, the, are just long yeah, tweets. <laughs> it's true. Everything's just extremely long tweet. This podcast is a very long audio tweet. Jack Dorsey, please pay me for my sponsorship. <laughs> I love it, man. Um, Austin Brown doing really thoughtful, really great writing in Chicago, man. I'm glad we got to start this conversation, and thank you so much for coming Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Thanks, Jaime. Absolutely. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.